You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Ian, look at this. Well, it's a police box. What on earth are you doing here? Hey, these things are usually on the street. I feel it. Feel it, you feel it? It's a faint vibration. It's a lie. Earth Station Who? A fun mashup celebrating nearly 50 years of Doctor Who universe. Hold tight. You never know where the TARDIS is going next. Who are you? <laughs> I'm glad you asked that again. Bit of adrenaline, dash of outrage, and a hint of panic knitted my brain back together. I know exactly who I am. I'm the Doctor. Sorting out fair play throughout the universe. Now, please, get off this planet. While you still have a choice. Hey everyone, and welcome to another episode of Earth Station Who. That's right, folks. We are back and we are going back to the Tom Baker era, Doctor Number Four. Or as people have been saying, you know, this month, may the fourth be with you. So of course they're only talking about Tom Baker. You know, is there any other thing exactly? What else would they be well, talking about? What else about? would they be talking about? It's just about? crazy what you know, to think about Doctor Who and you know some other small little thing out there with you know tie fighters and uh, yeah that's so yesterday but doctor who is now and well no it isn't we're just waiting just as much as star wars fans are so <laughs> but we are going to be talking all about the invisible enemy which features leela and it also features the first appearance of k9 Woo! so so, yes, you can even see the robot dog breaking down in the very first appearance of it. It's awesome. So it's a really good introduction and an interesting enemy, and we'll be talking all about it. And we've got a great crew here to talk all about it. First, our guest this week is, of course, Mr. Will Nix. What's up, everybody? Welcome, sir. Welcome to the Doctor Who side of the station. I know. It's more like uh, Earth Station wear for me. (laughs) Yeah, kind of, sort of. You just, like, fade in and out between all the different shows that we got. Exactly. I love it. Thanks for having me on, Mike. Dude, anytime, anytime. It's always great to have you. And, of course, we have our regulars, too. We have, of course, Mr. Mike Gordon. Howdy. How are you, my friend? Oh, ready to take a fantastic voyage. Oh, very much so. And, of course, the lovely and talented Mary Ogle. Hi, everybody. It is fantastic to be here. It's really good to have everybody back together. And, you know, it's kind of ironic. We're talking about a story that features an intelligent virus. Right. (laughs) Called the invisible enemy. (laughs) Exactly. And, you know, of course, you know, they thought they had that under control, too. So... Hey. Yeah. <laughs> not that yeah. we're not that we're getting into anything or anything like no, that. No, no. No, but it it's it's really interesting that we have this story at this time and we have actually our friend of the show. We had Eric Paul Johnson originally scheduled to be in this episode also and he actually picked this story for us. Um Eric is of course he is the co-host for the ELO uh, face the music podcast he is the co-host with of course eric witsensen who's been on our show a couple times and so you know definitely could find his podcast you know up there and they review episodes of electric light orchestra song by song by song 
as they came out on the albums and they're just going all the way through. They've already made it through Xanadu folks. That's a pretty big step for, you know, ELO fans. And they survived. I know it's pretty amazing. You know, they did go to Xanadu. So woohoo roller skates and everything. And that's a picture. If you ever knew what these guys looked like. So it's pretty awesome though. But we definitely would love to hear from you guys at home. What are your thoughts on The Invisible Enemy? Did you guys see it originally? Did you like it? Did you not? Please let us know at earthstationwho at esonetwork.com. We'd definitely love to hear from you guys. Wow, this is going to be a fun and exciting episode to talk all about. You know, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. And there is no real Doctor Who news to talk about. No news on the new series nothing about any actors or actresses uh you know but definitely you know keep doctor who in your heart and thank you all for joining us especially this difficult time that everybody's having so please definitely check us out um you know to help support us help you know do listening to us continue and continue and continue it's pretty neat that you guys are here still because doctor who is awesome and speaking of awesome Let's go back to October 1st, 1977. It's the second episode of the season with Leela and Tom Baker. And this just was the story that actually followed the horror of Fang Rock. So this is the Hinchcliffe era of Doctor Who. And no? It's actually uh, the first Rob- Graham Williams. Graham- oh, that's story. right. Because yep. he did the last one. Yeah. Hmm. So it's the, it, it's the first one with uh, Graham Williams. So it's a, and that's, that's a big deal too. Yeah. Because, okay. Cause there's not as much, not as much blood and guts. No, but you there's got a to, lot of stabbing. You got a lot of stabbing in this one, which is even <laughs> better. So it's pretty awesome. Yeah. Leela was, you know, at her savage-ish and cause she was rejected by the virus. So we went to the invisible enemy and we got to go to Titan. And we also got to go to the asteroid belt with really bad special effects folks. You know, it yeah. almost looked like they put that, that satellite, you know, with the, ast- on the asteroid with, you know, the space station on it. And just like, it's like, let's get a thing of Clado and just put a red cross <laughs> on it. And hey, that was high end. Okay, come on. For Doctor Who at the time, so <laughs> we had this this spaceship on a string. Oh, this is oh. this is like a really ambitious story, though. Like, like most stories have a couple of moments of uh, big special effects, but this one, this story demands a lot of special effects, and I think some of them work pretty well, and some of them don't. And I think the special effects department, understandably, was just spread really thin on this one because yeah i mean you go you from, had him looking through his mind for things i mean you go, you go from having this like uh, you know sort of um uh, space 1999 sort of uh base on titan's moon and all the special effects that are are involved with uh, that and the shuttle landing and all that kind of thing you go from that to you know this weird virus thing inside the doctor's head and and, and and certainly by the end, uh, you know, when they finally ha- realize, you know, personify or whatever the virus, it, it's you could tell the budget's just spent. And <laughs> you mean um, the giant prawn? And yeah, and all the yeah. and plus all the work they had to do with canine on top of everything else. Um, so I I give the special effects team a lot of slack on this one because I think they were. 
I mean, it's one thing for most Doctor Who stories, but for this one, I think uh, maybe if it was done during uh, Hinchcliffe's era, he might've been able to control this a little bit better. But I think Graham had no idea like what, how to, how to dictate a story as far as restricting certain things because of budget and special effects reasons and allocating yeah, they were trying. They were trying. It's no, all no, kind of trying. endearing. It's all kind of endearing, really. Well, you also, I mean, you, you, think about all this. You get Kadon out of it, which is, I mean, a beloved compa- companion. No matter what has happened, you, you you look back and you get that. And as a kid watching it, that was just cool. I mean, having the robotic dog companion. Mm-hmm. I'm you sure did. as a kid, you know, you don't need to even notice half the bad special. Oh gosh, no, the special effects were awesome. It looked, it did look it like it when literally walking through his head. It's actually, it's pretty cool. It did actually look like they were did take a lot of the props from Space 1999. It must have been yes. a couple of the studios over or something like that. It's like here, let's do this and just call it something else right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Roger Corman it up pretty hard. The shuttle is very space 1999. That or, you know, the lights they had on the station mm-hmm. were the lights from space 1999. Yeah. yeah. They weren't even hiding it. Well, I think, I think, I don't, you know, I don't think it was the same team, obviously, but I think, uh, I think, you know, Jerry Anderson's, obviously that influence on British science fiction television uh, was pretty uh, popular. So they already had no knew how like a space station on a moon looked, you know, and a, and so they could base it on that and they could use that sort of thing. I mean, Space 1999 did end in 77. So you're right. It is kind of about the same time as this one starts. But I you also had a lot of sci-fi like, TV at that time. Team at all. No, and I don't think it was the same team, but I just think they... You know, the homage to it. Influenced by it. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, I mean, even the uniforms kind of, you know, uh, were reminiscent of that. It's almost like they were like, well, that's what a moon base looks like. So that's what what space looks like. Yeah, exactly. This is what space looks like. So, and unfortunately, they had no idea what a uh, personification or uh, realization of a um, Germanic uh, virus entity would look like. So they. They sort of <laughs> just said, "Well, it looks like a it looks like a big old prawn." Yeah, mm-hmm, exactly. So, and even the clear nose and everything that it, it was just like, "Oh, geez," as it grew bigger and bigger, it's like, "Oh, wow." But yeah, I did think it was ambitious, and I loved the doctor and Leela dancing as they were being flown <laughs> through the you know <laughs> yeah. the bloodstream and everything. <laughs> Kind of swinging each other around. Exactly. That's so Tom. Pa- that's so Tom Baker, though. I mean, that is. I mean, that guy. He talking about loving life on every episode. You don't ever. Do you ever think? Can you think of anyone where he feels like he just phoned it in? Yes. I can't. Yes. Just, L- later. Yeah. Later. <laughs> Much okay, later. But, yes. <laughs> Much later. Yeah. yeah. But, yeah, but yeah, you, you know what I'm getting at, though. Yeah. You compare. You compare this Tom Baker with another a couple more seasons, and yeah, you'll see the wear and tear on him. But yeah, you're right. He's not he's not feeling it yet. Uh I know that uh he and Louise had some issues uh in the beginning. Um uh, so I, I, that doesn't show here. I mean, obviously they the character-wise they've got sort of a disconnect. Um but it's obvious that he even though he dismisses her several times um and insults her to right to her face, um he still cares a lot about her. Um you know, 
he's torn. I mean, he, he could have easily just given in and killed her, but I mean, he fought that off uh, until, until it wasn't possible for him to, to do any, anything else, but uh, go into a coma. Mm-hmm. So I thought, uh, I thought that was pretty touching. I like, I like Leela in this a lot. I think she gets a lot to do um, despite the fact that, you know, the reason that it's given that the, the virus doesn't want her is that she's rejected is because she's like stupid. But yeah, um, the whole implication is that she's <laughs> not intelligent enough to be but, infected by a virus, which but, actually is infuriating because she's such a great character. But they, they, they do kind of like, you know, bandaid it by saying like, oh, because she's more of a hunter and she acts on instinct and, and that kind of thing, rather than just basically say, yeah, she's not intelligent. Well, exactly. Hell, they even took the robot at one point, you know, beyond her, you know, it's just like, it was bad. And there was just, it was an interesting story. I liked some of the characterizations and, you know, how easily it was to transfer the, you know, the disease from one one person to another, you know. And it was that was interesting, and of course they weren't wearing face masks, so that's why we it was are happening. If they were the guidelines out of time, exactly. If they were six feet apart, they would have been okay. Come on, yeah, because the, the, that that lightning effect would not have reached that far. It only has like a <laughs> four foot range, uh, and a face mask would definitely cut stop that. Definitely, definitely. No, again though, I, I hate to keep going back to canine though. I mean. It, talking about overshadowing companions <laughs> as a kid i mean i that's who i wanted to hear from and it's oh, amazing too because yeah. when they uh put canine in this the original plan was not to have him uh stay past this story right but they spent so much time and money on him developing him they were like well we're gonna have to like get our money's worth so he stuck around even though and you can tell in the next few stories he's kind of forced in and they have to uh, a lot of times, like, find an excuse for him to stay on board the TARDIS. Well, he's R2-D2. Well, exactly. Well, he's more than that, though. I mean, he's... I'm just saying, like, though, I mean, he's... But you can see where they, they get the idea, you know? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, he's the he's the mechanical owl, right? Right. Well, exactly. And that's, you know, because of the popularity of Star Wars, because Star Wars had come out, what, four months before this. Yep. The phenomenon is really just taking off, I mean... Exactly. And so, you know, oh, let's get a cute robot in our show and, you know. In our movie. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. And at least K-9 didn't go, dee-dee-dee-dee-dee, you know. So. Hey, hey, now back <laughs> off some Twiki, man. Yeah. I was thinking more of that bad dog on um on Battlestar Galactica. Oh, God. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> awful. One that had a monkey in it. Yep. Oh. Yeah. Actually, I thought it was interesting that K-9, he has a personality right from the beginning. I mean, he's actually... He's got attitude right from the beginning. Yeah, yes. I thought that was great. I mean, he's actually not like your your run-of-the-mill robot. He's not actually so cutesy that he that he just turns you off. He's He's got a definite definite personality there, and I, I love that. No, that was then, really nice about it, that, you know, K-9 doesn't... What, what, you remember him from it. You don't just go, what was that robot, you know, thing? Because he does have a personality right from the very beginning. And he's formidable. I mean, he can take out, like, uh, you know, relatively a few guys anyway. 
Yeah, it was awesome to watch him do, you know, take out a cracked wall. It was awesome. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's at least, he's helpful. Yeah, watching the styrofoam fall was quite... <laughs> it's always fun on Doctor Who to watch parts. It's like, oh, wait, look. <laughs> yeah, I was watching the uh, the bonus materials on the, the DVD, and uh, unfortunately, that was the second take of the wall. The first take... The wall was, you know, was sealed up pretty well so that you couldn't really see the seams. But something happened and they had to film it again. And they didn't really, they didn't have time to really reseam it. So you can really tell, like, even before he fires, it's like, I know what chunk's going to fall off. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Wow. Wonder where it's going to fall off. <laughs> hmm. And what's amazing is, is that she goes to the trouble of asking K9 to break the wall so they have a barrier. And as soon as the, uh, virus men that's what i'm gonna call it their virus men show up uh she runs away from the thing <laughs> she goes behind another podium i'm like she doesn't stay there <laughs> no she doesn't stay there at all i'm like wow that that was a lot of work for nothing mm-hmm. so i don't blame her for not staying there because it wasn't gonna offer much cover exactly you know and it's like the cover that they should have done, you know, they could have done a bigger barricade so they couldn't just step over it. But then to K9, it, every barricade was huge. So it's Oh, like, gosh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not getting over this. Is, All right, someone pick me up. <laughs> when he went into the TARDIS, they cut away so they didn't show him, tried to maneuver over the ridge there right. at the door. <laughs> What's K9 doing now? He's just plowing through something again. <laughs> it's just mm. what he does. He's still trying to get into the TARDIS. It's always, it was fun though that, you know, I'd like the character of K9 and he was the most memorable out of all of them. And, you know, seeing this one, I haven't seen this one probably in like 15, 20 years. So it was nice to rewatch it Mm. again because I had forgotten. I didn't remember that the professor survived. I thought that's why the doctor got K9 is because the professor became, you know, one of the bug uh, disease guys which he did, but wasn't able to be cured. Even at the end, when, when Leela says, we have to return K-9 to the doctor, I thought the doctor was, I thought the doctor was just going to turn to her and say, no, we don't. And it just, like, take off with him. I didn't know <laughs> like, it's it's mine. <laughs> Someone give me a space robot dog. <laughs> uh, it's mine. But instead, like, he does go back, and the doctor's like, oh, you can take him. And the doctor's like, I don't know. And Leela's like, yes! Um... So it's it's kind of interesting that the the doctor, even though he's fond of him uh, at times during the story, uh, doesn't he kind of resents him after this. Well, he also doesn't. I mean, he's not much for companions, period. And it's funny that Leela pretty much hires her replacement. (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. But, you know, and I love, you know, but like you said earlier, though, K-9 is very formidable, you know, not only smart as a robot and you know be it with the intelligence but has the weapons to be able to mm-hmm. you know help the doctor you know because the doctor of course doesn't shoot and you know kidan's not afraid to yeah exactly <laughs> kidan's gonna kill it Exa- well exactly and that's yep. the cool thing about it so i think it's yeah, it was pretty awesome to see and i loved it i just you know i thought it was cool to see it you know the villain yeah was you know <laughs> exactly but well exactly and it was just 
overall, it was just like, okay, that's what we had to deal with. And, you know, the lightning storm around the spaceship. Uh, that was really bad. Yeah. yeah. That, was really that was just really, really I bad. thought it was cool looking. I'm sorry. I thought I thought it was cool looking. I you know, for the the effects that they have at the time, I uh I gave them a lot of leeway on that. Um I wasn't mm. uh, the only I like I said, it was like in the beginning, I thought they were pretty much on point doing most of the special effects. Uh they were comparable to what you were seeing in an Anderson production, um, uh, like like UFO or or Thunderbird or even Space 1999, really, um, with just probably half the budget. Um, so I, I thought that was decent. Um, but it's it's towards the end when, uh, you know, they're actually in the doctor's head and some shots look awesome and then some just look like yeah. they just put, like, painted trash bags all over the place. <laughs> hey, that was the effects budget, okay? So. <laughs> uh-huh. it, it truthfully, a lot of it was green screen at its best. Yes. You know, and, you know, and it was neat because I watched the extras also. And, you know, some of those, you know, images were hand-painted. It was pretty mm-hmm. awesome. But, you know, some of it was just, uh yeah, and you know you could see, you could see like the pixelation around, you know it, it wasn't good. Well, the other thing is is that I mean, you know this episode and you know several others, you know I, these are ones I watched as a child. I mean, and I never felt that it was above my head or anything like that when I was watching it. And it's that mixed audience that you're trying to grab. You know, I think you know I, I'm new to this show, but I'm sure y'all brought it up before. But you know, it's just that that attitude. What who was Doctor Who going for? You know, what was the show aimed at? And I felt it was aimed toward me when I was a kid. Well, and that's what it was aimed for. And yeah. that's the cool thing about it. Leela's outfit was not aimed at kids. <laughs> no. <laughs> it was aimed at the dads. Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, yeah. like uh, a lot of great kids shows, there's always something there for mom and dad. <laughs> and it was aimed for me. Because uh, uh, when I saw this back in uh, as a teenager at that... Uh, it was affected me as well. I did not hide behind the couch. To this day, he, it, it affected him. <laughs> it affected him. him. Yeah. Yeah. Leela still has an impact on him. It's yeah. true. It's true. Oh, I, I, I know Mike Gordon, so I do know what kind of effect it has on him. Oh, boy. Yes. Uh, was it, last, it was just last year, this time last year. Where, was it two years uh, ago? I think it was think two I years. I think I met Luis. Was it, was, it two years ago? Man. I think it was two years ago. Yeah, you're probably right. Two years ago. Because I think uh, Tegan was last year. Yes, you're right. You're right. But that was a dream come true. A teenage dream come true, for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, But like I said, I think, you know, um, I think, you know, outside of, uh, you know, the outfit and everything like that, I mean, I think as a character, it's, you know, my love for her is justified just because I think she really holds her own in this in this story i mean even though yes they do kind of insult her intelligence they give her uh enough characteristics that uh, she's not sidelined uh she's not uh she has a lot of good moments um and and the doctor needs her uh even so much as he has to take her into his head with him because he he needs her her tracking skills mm-hmm. no which very i thought true. was pretty awesome yeah, and she doesn't like she's insulted a lot 
in this one, but she's just kind of like, yeah, whatever. And she goes on and, <laughs> and does, does what she's going to do. I mean, she doesn't really care what they think of her. And, and ultimately her solution is what they do. Like, you know, she's like, just blow it up. And he's like, no, nah, I can't really just blow it up. No, I'm going to just try to just blow it up. Just and freaking blow it up. <laughs> so she's your stereotypical, up. you know, pull over and get directions. <laughs> and no one, no one wants to listen. <laughs> And it's it is and it, the great thing about it is, she's she's the hero of this one, in a lot of ways. And you know the doctor, of course, is the one who, you know, figures it out at the end. But she's the one who comes up with the solution. Like you guys said, blow it up. I'm very yeah. curious to know through the regenerations if there's still a little tiny Leela dagger in his brain. <laughs> Because for some reason, the doctor and Leela clones disintegrated completely in the brain, except for her bracelets and her dagger. Mm-hmm. They made a point to leave those behind. And I was like, okay, so does the doctor still have a little tiny Leela dagger in his brain? <laughs> I'd like to think so. Next year's episode, he kills the doctor. <laughs> What's killing the doctor? Some kind of metal object inside his brain. <laughs> it seems to have been there a long time. We have to go back inside. Oh no! 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 See, that's a that's a that's a that's a forty year plot hole that needs. To, and I say that in <laughs> quote, and I say that in quotes uh, that needs to be resolved at some point. Mm-hmm. Come on, get on that chibnall. Come on, Chris, you're falling on us. <laughs> Pretty awesome, though. That is pretty cool, though. Yeah, I think, you know, it was interesting to watch this and, you know, see, you know, what kind of lore comes out of it and stuff like that. And that was what made it really cool, you know, from it. There's also an interesting point, speaking of the Doctor's brain, and I'm sure this has all been retconned since then, especially with what we know now of of the Doctor's origins. But... um, in his brain, he's got a uh, something that he can connect to the Time Lords directly with. I mean, it's built in his in his brain. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, you know, it, it, it's just thinking about this. I wonder how much of this is an homage to a Fantastic Voyage. Oh, oh yeah, I mean, very yeah, much so. Yeah, yeah, is, I, yeah. Which is another one of my favorite sci-fi as a kid. And talking about choice outfits. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> play, play, playing the role of uh, Raquel Welch in this adaptation <laughs> is Louise Jameson. No. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I mean, <laughs> can we get her out into the swimsuit? Oh, yes, we can. Yes, we can. Uh, especially, especially the the scenes with the antibodies attacking. Right, right. Yeah, I mean that's. So yeah, it's it definitely you know got a lot of uh, Anderson Space nineteen ninety nine stuff in it. It's got a lot of Fantastic Voyage in it, but I you know I think it still works. I think um, the character of uh, the uh, is it Professor Marius? Is that right? Yes, yes. Professor. Yeah, he's fun, and he and the he and Tom, uh, the actor that plays him, uh, Frederick Yeager, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. They have chemistry like right off the bat. It's almost like they're drinking buddies or something. Probably were. Uh, um, <laughs> and uh, he's great fun throughout this whole thing. 
I think that that's the ultimate word for this episode. It's just fun. It's really fun throughout the whole thing. And I mean, who cares that the sets are bad? Isn't that where a lot of modern who kind of messes up though? Is the fun is gone, you know, at least there for a while. Yeah, it's actually, it's kind of refreshing that you don't, that you don't get too profound in some ways, you know, that there's no, there's not a lot of angst going on. You know, there's not a lot of self-recrimination or all that crap. It's just, uh, they're just running around, having a great time, trying to solve the monster mm-hmm. mystery. Yep. And, uh, and it's fun. Well, did you also see a certain return in this episode? I don't know if you get the guys, you know, noticed. This was when they went back to the original control room. Yes, uh, yeah. right away. Oh, yes, yes. Leela had never seen it before. Right. She's like, why are we in a different room? And he's like, this is the room. <laughs> like, like, <laughs> exactly. uh, I guess the other one's being worked on or something. He's yeah. yeah. And uh, yeah. And then he like starts complaining that it's, that it's, that the computer like can't, it can't do any other colors, but white and black. Yeah. But I'm like, the room that you just had was not white or black. Well, exactly. It was like, Wait a minute! You just came from a wood-paneled room. I love <laughs> that room. I wish they'd kept that. But I heard the wood kept on warping. You know, when they weren't filming and everything, and that was what. That might be true, but I mean, you know, especially with the day and age now of what we can watch this uh, with. Uh, you know, I mean, it's on Blu-ray, I think, isn't it? Um, yeah. uh, or at least uh, it's on. You know, I watched it on DVD and. I mean, the white is just not white anymore. It's so filthy uh, yeah. to look at the inside of the TARDIS. It's it just doesn't it doesn't look as as streamlined and cool as it did when you know Hartnell had it. <laughs> oh, definitely not. I don't know if they ever placed it out. I think that's the same like the dingy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think that's the same dingy console room. Still smoking, smoke damage from or anything. all the cigarettes. And- yeah, it's all yellowed and yes, you know, it's yes. like ah, nicotine. <laughs> exactly. Yes, kids, this is what could happen to your lungs if you exactly you can look like the inside of the TARDIS. Exactly. Um, I also have to say too. I mean, I, I think we've talked a little bit about Tom. Tom's great in this, and he's having a lot of fun. But I, I there's a moment where uh, once he confronts uh, the nucleus. Um, and in in his brain um and he's sort of you know doing the the banter as the doctor does just sort of treating him lightly and everything like oh i've got to get rid of you um you're not supposed to be here that kind of thing um and the nucleus says i can control time now thanks to you the like tom's face gets all like like really serious uh like oh this is just this has gotten uh, really serious now. Like mm-hmm. I was treating this lightly, but um, the implications that you can create, uh, that you can breed through all of space and time now, um, this, he's basically saying uh, this stuff just got real. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's his, uh, you know, later this would be the, you know, David Tennant, like, you know, mean doctor face, I think. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, oh, things just got real now. 
Yeah, like, bum, like bum, you bum. know, there's a point where we there's fun and games, but then you know, and I give you an opportunity, but if you go too far, if you go too far, I'll take you out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I gave you a chance. You lo- you lost it. No more. And so. to be fair, he does give the virus a chance uh, even afterwards. But um, yeah, he's 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 pretty proud of the fact that you know, and pretty happy with the results of just blowing it up. Oh yeah, of course. That wonderful you know Titan base is gone. <laughs> yeah. Boof. It was, and, it was oh that. And that was awful. The little flames <laughs> coming up at the end. Like, oh, yeah. It was just like, oh, dude, no. So, I mean, outside of canine, though, does this really have that much of a lasting impact? Nope. That's what, yeah, <laughs> that's what I'm saying. You know, a lot of episodes, you can talk about a lot of episodes and how they've had, you know, how they tie into the show later on, things like that. Outside of canine, I mean. Yep, canine is it. That's not a bad legacy. <laughs> no. I mean, it's just kind of a fun episode that, yeah, that, you know, for for its own sake, and that's fine. Oh God, I didn't, and we haven't even talked about the makeup that they did with the people who oh, got the I was avoiding that. virus. That was so bad. Oh, that was horrible. <laughs> that was really the the, bad. the hairy hands, <laughs> exactly. Oh, <gosh. laughs> I know. It's like, oh, I'm the like, doctor has hairy funny. palms. Watch out, folks. <laughs> oh my gosh, <laughs> it's like Mike with Leela. So. <laughs> was that supposed to be an inside joke is the makeup team chuckling in the background <laughs> i know that? right yeah and the scales on their faces and it's like yep. oh yeah. uh, it's like all right enough <laughs> yeah yeah it's just like all right i'm done with it yeah. so all right any final thoughts before we go ahead and rate this well okay go canine go Okay, there you go. <laughs> One out of five TARDISes in honor of Eric for suggesting this episode. All right, Will, you get to go first. I have to give it three and a half because, you know, canine, canine takes it there. I'm a harsh critic, and like I said, didn't have much other carry on other than this. It was a fun episode, don't get me wrong, but three and a half TARDISes. Okay. Mikey? I think three and a half is actually pretty fair. Um, I, I like this one a lot, but I can't quite give it a four. Um, it's it's not, you know, it's not great, but it is a lot of fun. Uh, it's not, uh, you know, it's not as bad as the effects are, especially if you, you know, just can ride, ride through those um, because the story is pretty fun and the characters are, are pretty fun and, and, and Leela and the doctor are great. Okay especially coming from after, you know, the doom and gloom of the horror of Fang Rock. This is such a, a, a nice, like, uplifting tale for them. Yeah. I could see that. All right, Miss, Miss Mary. Let's see. Well, I think I will give it a 3.75. <laughs> I'm going to give it an extra 0.25 because I just really love Leela. She's so great. She's, she's great with the doctor. She gets she she gets a lot to do here, and I'm I'm really happy to see see her get to shine. And, and plus, you know, actually the characterizations here were pretty good. The story was pretty good, and um, you know, it doesn't matter about the bad special effects and and the bad makeup. They just make it all the all the more endearing. So I mean, this is one of those ones you can really go back and enjoy just just for its own sake. Yep, agreed. 
Agreed, agreed. I'm going to give this one a solid three. I would have given it less, actually, if it wasn't for K9. Uh, between K9 and Leela throwing knives, it was awesome. You know, that would have gotten a 10 right there. But the special effects pulled it down big time for me. And a lot of it actually took me even out of the story at times. That's how much I was like laughing at it and not paying attention to the rest of it. And, you know, like the guy who had to put on that really big sun visor to hide that he <laughs> had been infected by the aliens. So da, it, da, da. exactly. It's just I'm like, like, why did he go to the, like, <laughs> I'm sorry. I just, it just reminded me because at one point they go to the hospital, whatever. And she's like, what's wrong with you? And he's like, Oh, my eyes got injured. She's like off to the eye doctor to you. And he's, and he goes, and he, and and he like, actually went. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was like, um, <laughs> what, was, what was the point of that? <laughs> <laughs> well, he did, he did, uh, infect, the 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 eye doctor there so yeah the killer optometrist watch out folks (laughs) (laughs) Uh, so i think that that did end up helping him but i was like what are you doing like yeah it was just like uh, it didn't make just been like these are my shades man there's nothing wrong with me why are you my mellow man exactly so yeah i i don't know it was so yeah i think a solid three um so that's what we thought we definitely would love to hear from what you guys thought first station who at esonetwork.com please tell us what you thought on this one eric once again hopefully you're listening and you know you enjoyed our views on this and you know please write us at least tell us what you thought about it sorry you couldn't make it for this episode but you know it was cool. And thank you, by the way, to everyone who has been commenting on why we didn't like the uh, gunfighters last time. Man, did we get some heat on that one. <laughs> you know, so, you know. Did they, did they did they send it to us in, in lyrical form? Oh, they did. They <laughs> sang it to us, dude. At the, the tale of the OK Corral. <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah. Oh, that still get chills over that one. Ah. But folks, join us here again next time when we are going to be going back to Big Finish. That's right. We are going to be looking at the Diary of River Song Volume 4, which features someone who we just talked about in this episode. That's right, folks. River meets the Doctor, but the fourth edition of him. Pretty awesome. Bum, bum, bum. And actually tying into this, Mikey, you had some Doctor Who news for Big Uh, Finish? Yeah, well, um, for those people who want more of Tom Baker and uh, Louise Jameson and John Leeson, uh, you can go right now to Big Finish. Uh, You can pre-order Shadow of the Sun, which is going to be available uh, pretty, it should be available by the end of May, they say. Um, And uh, this was, uh, I think Mikey and I talked about this, uh, this was, in fact, filmed under lockdown, under quarantine. So, yes, it was. Uh, so you've got all the voices. They were separated, but uh, they were still recording. Uh, you can see, if you go to the, the Big Finish site, you can see images of them uh, all on uh, whatever they were using. Um, uh, I doubt it was Skype. It was probably Zoom or something. Um, but uh, anyway, um, yeah, you can pre-order that. It's really cheap right now. You can get it for under 10 bucks. Uh, at least the digital copy. So, uh, and the uh, CD is not that bad either as far as price goes. So uh, I've certainly signed up for it. So I'm looking forward to, 
to more from the Dr. Leela and canine. There you go. And Big Finish is taking it away. That's pretty darn awesome. So definitely worth checking out. We'll have a link to it up on our show notes. Let's thank our crew for being here tonight. Mr. Mike, you made it through another one, my friend. And as always, it's my pleasure. And of course, Will, thank you so much, sir. Always and anytime. You know that. Enjoy this too much. Oh, yes, you did. Yes, you did. (laughs) Not as much as Mike, but still. Exactly. And Mary, thank you. Oh, thank you. This was a really fun episode to talk about. I really enjoyed it. You want to promote your artwork? You can find me at maryogle.com or on Etsy at eVisionArts. Excellent. Definitely, folks. Thank you guys for listening. Stay safe, and we will see you again in two weeks. Peace. And we're done. Boom. You have been listening to Earth Station Who, a bi-weekly pop culture podcast dedicated to all things Doctor Who, featuring talents from across the universe. All topics on the show are the sole opinions of the individual and are used for entertainment value alone. You subscribe to our podcast up on iTunes, Stitcher, or follow our blog at www.esopodcast.com. You can also follow us up on Facebook, Twitter, or Google+. If you enjoyed the show, please leave feedback up on iTunes. are the cigar nerds podcast do you like cigars great we review cigars while talking about movies tv shows science and pop culture news what you don't like cigars great because we also talk about science movies tv shows and whatever's going on in the news it's what we do we smoke cigars and we know things find us on cigarnerdpodcast.com we're also on the eso network This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping through Amazon.com or the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek. <laughs>